Hello folks, my name is Maddie B and you are listening to yet another episode of There's Too Much to Think. I hope you all had a wonderful month of spookiness because this week's episode we're going right back into talking about utter douchebags. Um, today we're going to be talking about serial killer Harold Shipman, otherwise, no- otherwise known as Dr. Death. Uh, he killed over 200 people while he was a physician, so he is arguably one of Britain's most notorious serial killers. However, if you're not a new listener, you know that I'll be calling him just about any any name under the sun besides Notorious because this pathetic excuse for shit stain doesn't serve such a title. Now before we get into it, let me tell you a little bit about Harold Shipman's early life and surprise surprise to no one, he had an overbearing mother. Alright, so let's get on to his early life. Shipman was born Harold Frederick Shipman, uh, known to colleagues, colleagues as Fred Shipman and by family as Freddie. He was born on January 14th, 1946 to Vera and Harold Frederick Shipman Sr. and committed suicide by hanging on July 13th, 2004. I guess he didn't want to spend another birthday in jail. According to the book 12 from Hell, the ultimate true crime case collection by Ryan Green, Shipman's mother Vera was overbearing with all of her children, controlling nearly every aspect of their lives, but with Frederick, it was on a whole other level. Shipman was the middle of three children with an older sister named Pauline, who was seven years older than him, and later had a younger brother named Clive, who was four years younger than him. According to this book, it was obvious even to neighbors that, quote, he was her favorite, that she saw him as the, as being the brightest and most promising of her offspring, end quote. As mentioned before, while Vera was mostly controlling when it came to her children, when it came to Shipman, quote, where his brother and sister could gush dress casually, he would have to he would have to wear a tie, and his associations, meaning with other children, were more tightly controlled, end quote. This kind of superiority complex kind of rubs off on your kid, no surprise there. And so it comes to no surprise, again, that Shipman was a bit of a loner in school, although he did well in school and on the school's soccer team. During his teen years, Vera developed uh, terminal lung cancer, sadly, and Shipman and his mother grew very close to the point that, like, according to the book, he would, like, run home um, every day and spend his day by her bedside, um, especially when the doctors came in, uh, as he tried to take care of her at every turn. As I said before, he watched as doctors would take home visits to administer her morphine to help with the pain. Knowing what we know now, this is dreadful foreshadowing. Vera died of cancer when Shipman was 17. According to the book yet again, guys, it's it's literally so good. I apologize for that. The freshman on my dorm in my dorm are relentless and I tried to stop the minute I heard so much shouting. 
Now, I wish I could edit it out, but I know jack all about technology, even though I'm in the generation that's supposed to know everything about technology. So, according to the book, yet again, you guys, it's literally so good. Please go check it out. Um, Ryan Green is self-published. It doesn't have too many reviews. Um, I found it through Amazon, but I will try and find the link to, like, his actual um, publishing. So that way, you know, your money goes directly to him and not some, you know, big corporation. But um, it's so good. It literally has... um, It's... It's so well organized. But anyway, during his teen years, Harold met a woman two years younger than him by the name of Primrose, which just makes me think of Primrose Everdeen from Game, uh, not Game of Thrones, uh, Hunger Games. Um, so she had a similar life to Shipman. Her mother was also controlling, which the book posits might be what drew them together in the first place. Um, they got married on November 5th. 1965 shipman was 19 and primrose was 17 while also being five months pregnant with their first of four children sadly primrose would later come to his defense after he was put on trial and later convicted of 15 counts of murder although he is suspected in at least 250 and confirmed to be um 218 are confirmed but he is suspected in 250 but he was only um put on trial for 15. 1965 was also the same year that shipman got accepted to study medicine at the leeds school of medicine through the university of leeds this however wasn't his first try it appeared that he was struggling with gifted kid burnout so to speak um he was advanced in the beginning then he later went on to what the book dis- what the book describes as mediocre at best um, <laughs> and had to take the entrance exam twice in order to get in he was described by peers as haughty and aloof while in college um though he still struggled to get his grades through school um so how a to get good grades through school so how a sorry sack like him actually Um, who practically went with the motto D's get degrees had a superiority complex I'll never understand but then again it's always the pathetic ones who have such a complex regardless the only time he appeared to be a team player was once again on the soccer field Uh, he graduated in summer of 1970 at 24 years old now on to his early career and opiate addiction opioid addiction before the dickhead started killing people. Shipman became a house officer at first, um, which the book describes as, quote, a kind of post-medical school pre-doctor position, what we more commonly call residency, end quote. He did this at uh, Pontefract General Infirmary. 
Uh, he appeared to not cause any incidents, and in 1974, according to the National Library of Medicine article I found, Shipman was granted the title of general practitioner. Before this, however, according to the book, he received two more diplomas, one for child health in 1972 and another in obstetrics in gynecology in 1974 do not ask me what that degree is for because i know jack all he had answered um an ad to go work for the abraham um ormerod medical center in todd morden west york yorkshire i apologize to any british listeners whatsoever uh i'm trying but i am just a simple american shipman was considered a valuable asset for this hospital as he was the most up-to-date on recent medical procedures and practices um having just gotten out of medical school so at first shipman appeared to be thriving advocating for better record keeping something we'll see that changes later and his person personality changed as well as the book describes quote gone was the reclusive loner and in his place was an outgoing well-respected professional and member of the community end quote but the old nurses from his residency days knew better he was very stubborn and refused to let anyone suggest different ways on how to do things which as somebody who regretfully has the personality trait i don't know how i feel about the fact that i share that personality trait with the serial killer um but regardless um he was very stubborn and refused to let anyone suggest to different ways on how to do things and when he shot them down about it he was mean and abrasive so aside from who shipman deemed as um you know his equals those quote-unquote underneath him um did not see a nice guy so but everyone else did so for the most part as well as for shipman uh until he took it upon himself to get rid um at this point he um would also get rid of old expired drugs and restock them with new ones this was a necessary but also time-consuming task but everyone let Shipman continue to do this restock. It probably got him to shut up for a few hours. And so the nurses were probably more than happy to shut him up in a room away from them. It also helped that Shipman, uh, up until this point, had no prior record of reckless drug use. So no one saw a problem with it. That was until February of 1975. Shipman began to acquire large amounts of the drug pethidine so for those who are unaware of what pethidine does like i am as as i said before in the barbara jean horn um episode my life is boring um don't know anything about drugs um so for those who don't know and are just as much in the dark about it as I am, according to a separate National Library of Medicine article, pethidine, also known as um, meperidine, 
Meperidine is a pain medication used in acute pain, sometimes even during labor. This usage was most common in countries like Australia, but also found in places like Iran. Um, or Iran? Don't know how to say it. Um, while it is now illegal in Australia, as there is a better pain medication for such events, it appears it is still e- or still legal in Iran. Or Iran. Uh, it appeared at first to be one of the least addictive opioid options and was considered the most common to um, um, prescribe in the 20th century. Um, however, over the years, with more technology and better you know, treatment, it appears to be the exact opposite. So they try to use it the least... Um, the least amount possible. So, according to this article, the common side effects include involuntary movements, constipation, weakness, visual disturbances, delirium, especially with the geriatric population, keep that in mind for later, weakness, vomiting, and nausea, and so on. So, serious reactions, often due to overdose, include hallucinations, especially among the geriatric population, once again, keep that in mind. Uh, cardiac arrest, respiratory, respiratory failure, sleep apnea, etc. Which, for those who don't know what sleep apnea means, it essentially means your heart stops while you sleep. And you shut down for like a couple seconds and then your heart picks up again. So, the investigation into Shipman's possible drug use didn't go very far. Literally, according to the book, all they did was ask the pharmacist who would only ever sell Shipman's good side for a character evaluation. Um, the pharmacists say that he's a good dude and who would have never done such a thing. And though a loose watch of Shipman would continue for a little while, these character witnesses were apparently enough to just end the investigation. Uh, Shipman's drug abuse would not stay hidden forever, though. After a series um, of now familiar blackouts, because at this point he was having blackouts from the drug abuse, Primrose called into the hospital for help from one of Shipman's work partners after he had blacked out, fallen, and hit his head. It was after this incident that the interest in Shipman's possible drug use rose once again from the authorities. In June of 1975, the police decided to interview Shipman himself and oversee his documentation of controlled drugs only to show that it was lacking specifically with the drug pethidine and when he was using it with patients, even though it was required by law, which is interesting since he was the one who advocated for better registry of such things. All that resulted was a guy visiting from the home office explaining how to document such uses and when. That's it. That's all that happened. It wasn't until September later that year that Shipman was called in by other doctors and um, confronted with the evidence. His initial reaction, surprisingly, was to confirm such things, only to try and use his charm to persuade his colleagues the fucking gumption on this dude. Like, I want to know just how big he thought his balls were, because his initial reaction was to confirm such things, 
only to try and use his charm to persuade his colleagues that they should help him hide his addiction while he continued to feed into it. Uh, obviously, they said no. Uh, he tried to pull a stunt where he um, resigned and then uh, retracted his resignation uh, and told him that the only way they could get rid of him was to fire him and kick him out of the building. So they fired him um, and he made a show of the fact that they would have to force him out of the practice in order to get rid of him. They did, and a month later, the police interviewed him and sent him to a rehab center. He claimed he was taking the drugs as a way to deal with his depression and not getting along with his colleagues, although all of his veins had been collapsed, suggesting that he had actually been abusing pethidine for five years minimum, possibly since he was first um, doing his residency which is way longer than the year he, just the year that he confessed to. But this wasn't looked into further. Uh, he only spent a month in rehab, told he would see a psychiatrist for a few years, and claimed he would never be a general practitioner or be involved in any line of work which would give him access to any opioids. Um, and was only slapped with a 600 pound fine in February the following year. In today's money, 600 pounds would be actually closer to 887, according to a conversion um, website that I found, 887 pounds or $1,080 in American money today. So the book explains this better, but essentially, the government just like let Shipman still be a doctor and despite the fact that he should have been barred from opi opioids considering his addiction, his now, like his now history with addiction with op opioids, he still had access to such drugs because quote, Shipman's patients had not suffered from his actions, end quote. A statement given out by police that I'm sure they regret now because it is speculated that at this point he might have started killing. What is clear, however, is that he starts to kill afterwards. So, or he definitely killed afterwards. So he might have started before, but he definitely did afterwards. It is the decision to bar shipment, uh, if the decision to bar shipment from such access or not having a job in any medical field whatsoever, it would have saved over 200 lives. Let that sink in. Two, over 200 lives could have been saved if everyone did their fucking job with this guy. But no one did. How and when he killed. The following information comes from the original inquir inquiry report done by Chairman Dame Janet Smith that was done in Jan July of 2002. 
real quick, can we acknowledge the fact that, one, I found this document, and then two, I read 346 pages around this utter douchebag for you listeners. Like, for real? Like, let's be real. That was was a feat. Um, But anyway, moving on. According to this inquiry, I've heard inquiry and inquiry, but I'm just going to go with inquiry. The first real evidence that he began began harming his patients was in August of 1974 with Professor Elaine Oswald while she was in surgery. She stated that she was having kidney pains, to which, and here's a warning real quick, I do mention sexual assault briefly. It doesn't happen, but there is mention of it. Um, so Shipman then prescribes her uh, Dicanol, I think I say it, and said he would visit her at her house the following morning, which Chairman Dame Janet Smith, and yes, I'm going to say her full title all the time because man, did she freaking deserve it. Because the inquiry that I found was only volume one. And she wrote, like, six. So just keep that in mind. Um, So she stated... um, So... Chairman Dame Janet Smith posits that this wouldn't have been needed as the result would have been, like, of the test for her kidney issues would have been just fine with a urine sample. In fact... That's usually what happens when you have kidney stones and kidney problems. Um, But if for whatever reason he did decide to do a blood test, he could have easily done the blood test during the surgery. So Shipman simply didn't need to go to her home unless he wanted to be there for another reason. While he had visited her the following morning, Shipman had injected the professor with a drug, likely pethidine, considering this history. She rapidly became unconscious um this was apparently not the intended effect as shipman had called the ambulance and had given her a cardiac massage and what he disgustingly described as quote the kiss of life um professor elaine oswald believes that shipman had tried to kill her but chairman dame janet smith posits another idea that shipman may have wanted to sexually assault her the chairman continues to say that this might have well have been the case because otherwise, why would Shipman go through all the trouble to save her? Personally, I'm not quite sure where I lean. For all we know, Shipman had intended to kill the professor but chickened out at the last moment, which is very common. Or as it is the case with the angel of death, which is a common case with the angel of death killers, is that instead of going right into killing, they will bring somebody close to death and then bring them back to life um, in order to give them that superiority that they so desperately crave and need, which he definitely does. Um, So then again, we also do see that serial killers tend to graduate to the idea of killing. They don't just go straight into it. So assault is usually what they do, what some will do before they go into murder. So he could have wanted to assault her. The point is, is that we'll never know because the bastard killed himself. Um, and I am but a simple psychology minor and not an actual professor. 
so I can't give you the answers either. I'm sorry. So, those are just my two cents on the whole situation of like, I'm not quite sure where I lean. Regardless, I'm sure from this case alone, you may have started to put the pieces together on just how Shipman kills his victims. He kills them via an injection, typically to the back of the hand. His injection choice? Opiates. No surprise there. While he jumped around in age, slightly, as well as gender, Shipman's preferred victims appeared to be elderly women who already had a real risk of dying, and that's why he was able to fly under the radar for so long. Many times, according to the documentary done by Absolute Crime that I have linked down in the show notes down below, um, called Born to Kill, uh, experts delve inside the minds of Britain's five worst serial killers, explained that this injection would often cause heart attacks, leaving most of the victims to be found sitting upright in rocking chairs, on couches, etc., slumped forward with their eyes open. Chairman Dame Janet Smith um, goes on to say that she investigated 21 deaths in 1975, all of which Shipman had some association with, seven of which, she attri- which, seven of which were later attributed to him. The first of which being Miss um, Eva Lyons, I think is how it is. It's L-Y-O-N-S. I think it's Lyons. Um, so she was suffering from terminal cancer when Shipman visited her. I want to name, I want to say Shipman. I might just say Shipman for the rest of this fucking um, podcast. But he visited her on the 17th of March, 1975. As what would later become a routine for him, he would, he had given her an injection to the back of the hand, where he then went out to the waiting room to visit Eva's husband and daughter, and waited for Eva's heart to stop. That's how fucked this guy is. He'll continue conversations as if he didn't just give family members of the people he's talking to lethal doses that end their lives so he just simply waits for her heart to stop and then leaves the remaining six that would be that would happen over the course of the rest of the year three of which occurred on the same day the 21st of january mere months before miss lyon's death so i'm going to talk about the three that happened on the same day miss elizabeth pierce was 84 years old She was living with her daughter in a downstairs bedroom of the house. While she seemed frail and short of breath, her relatives do remember her being, um, do remember her death being a little odd because during Christmas time, mere weeks before, she appeared to be doing better and was part of the family festivities associated with the holiday. Then again, it wasn't uncommon for those who were elderly as well as sick to have one final burst of energy before they passed. So, at the time, they probably thought nothing of her passing. The only thing was that Shipman claimed to have visited Miss Pierce earlier that afternoon, and once again 20 minutes after her death. But he also said that the mode of death would have been a collapse that lasted at least 15 minutes, leaving him only a 5 minute window to get back to the house. This implies that Shipman might have been there while she was having an attack that led to her death. Or the attack, sorry. 
Yet another instance in which Shipman put himself there while his victims died instead of just walking away. This is a very common thing you'll notice, especially in these early ones, that he, he likes to stick around. I would also like to point out that in the documentary by Absolute Crime, as well as the inquiry mentions, Shipman often encouraged the family, families of his victims to cremate their loved ones rather than bury them. This then leads to, um, you know, that's why so many of his victims, there's no, like, he could only be charged with 15. But, um... I do think it's kind of amazing that what gets him in the end is a woman whose family buried her, to which the police later exhumed her body, um, and like didn't listen to what he had to say about cremation, but more on that later. Mr. Robert Lingard also died the same day, as well as, um, and while he was only 62 years old at the time of his death, he also had uh, very bad respiratory issues. On the day of his death, he had been with his wife all day, but by 2002, when this inquiry was written, his wife had sadly passed away, so we can't get her side of the story. What we do know is that Shipman was the one to call the Lingard's son and daughter-in-law to the home to inform them of the death, and once again, on his patient forms, he said that he had seen Lingard alive the day of his death, and then seen him immediately after his death, once again implying that he had been present for Lingard's death. Miss Lily Crossley was, um, was suffering from terminal cancer. Shipman had visited her, visited her at 7.30 p.m. and administered pain medication. It is not known if he had injected the uh, opiates into her muscles or into her veins, Though an hour later, Miss Crossley had died, which conveniently is just about as much time the, uh, in which the level of opiates in her system were to kill her if the injections had been directly deposited into her muscles. So, conveniently, she dies within that time period. Less than a month after, on February 15th, 1975, Shipman appeared to have struck again with Miss Jane Rowland, who was in the terminal stages of respiratory illness and believed to be in considerable distress. Shipman visited her, and two hours later, she was pronounced dead. Miss Edith Roberts was found dead March 30, or 21st, the same year. She was in good health the night before, and even... Um, was supervising and visiting with her nieces. According to the inquiry document that I found, Miss Roberts had been found the following morning, quote, dead in bed. She was lying back against the pillows with the bedside light on and a book in front of her. It appeared she had fallen asleep while reading, end quote. She was only 67 and lived fully independently. Robert's daughter had called Shipman, unaware of what to do, to which Shipman said, since he, he had seen Miss um, Roberts that day, or recently, there was no need to take her to the town coroner. This is interesting, as even if she had been visited by a doctor that very day, she would have still needed to go to the coroner to announce the cause of death. Like, it's just outward autopsy. Like, that's just one of the things that you have to do. You have to go to a coroner. But Shipman had filled out her death certificate claiming that her, um, 
that she had died of a heart attack. Miss Roberts was also cremated. On and on it goes. It appears that while Shipman was visit working with others, his murders were rather sporadic in nature, but once Shipman got his own practice in 1992, they were practically happening every week, but it wouldn't be until 1998 that the police began their investigation, ending with him only being on, put on trial for the 15 out of 250 people, or 15 people he is confirmed circumstantially to have been involved in. Although he is further suspected to be around 250. So, 24 years, 215 people. On to what gets him caught. According to all my sources, Kathleen Grundy was Shipman's last murder, and it was simply because he got too overzealous, not because anyone was actually doing what they were supposed to do. Kathleen Grundy was, while 81, was still remarkably healthy and was showing no sign of being on death's door anytime soon. However, on the 24th of June in 1998, so 24 years after he started killing, Grundy had suddenly died. Shipman was there and reported on Grundy's death certificate that she had simply died of, quote, old age. Miss um, Angela Woodruff, Grundy's daughter, immediately became suspicious of her mother's death, however, when she was informed that there was there, there had been a new will. Um, Angela had been a solicitor and originally wrote her mother's first will as she was qualified and the two had had an agreement that she would handle any legal documents on Grundy's behalf. In the original will, um, everything had been left to Angela, no surprise there, she is Grundy's child after all, but in the new will, wouldn't you know it, um, all of it was given to Shipman, including the estate that Grundy lived on. Um, Chairman Dame Janet Smith was kind enough to include a photocopy of the fake will in the inquiry. Um, it would later be revealed in court that the typewriter used to write this will had in fact been the same type of typewriter Shipman had, and the paper even had his fingerprint on it, even though he claimed to have never seen it before. I guess Shipman is too idiotic to remember that at this point, while DNA wasn't as great as it is now, it could still pick up fingerprints, and he couldn't kill like he did in the 70s and 80s. Regardless, here is the f- what the fake will said. Quote, I give all my estate money and house to my doctor my family are not in need and i want to reward him for the care he has given me and the people of hyde he is sensible enough to handle any problems this may give him end quote and then because of course he can't fucking avoid 
you know, giving himself a goddamn compliment. Um, he then proceeds to list his name and address of his practice. So, Shipman must have been sweating bullets because not only did he try to pawn off this will as Grundy's own and, like, forge her signature and whatnot, but also, like, this is something he's never done before, and on top of that, Grundy's daughter refused to have her mother cremated, and so now there was, like, actual evidence, and wouldn't you know it when, um, and... Uh, Angela went to the police and was like, hey, you know, this sudden change of will, it's kind of suspicious. Uh, the police were like, hey, maybe we should do our jobs. Um, and when, you know, when they exhumed Grundy's body, um, it had an excessive amount of morphine in her system. Um, and they continued to exhume the bodies of other possible victims and found the same. He was arrested on February 22nd, 1999. His trial began on October 5th, 1999. They charged him with 15 counts of murder and one count of forgery. The guy had the freaking gumption to plead not guilty. The trial um, would end on January 31st, 2000, after the jury deliberated for six days, finding him guilty on all counts. The trial ended with the overseeing judge, the Honorable Mr. Justice Forbes, saying, quote, None of your victims realized yours was not a healing touch. None of them knew that, in truth, you had brought her death, death which was... disguised as the caring attention of a good doctor, end quote. Uh, Stated before, Shipman would later commit suicide by hanging in his cell in the wee hours of morning of of January 13th, 2004, between the guard rounds. Being a doctor, all he needed was four minutes. As most of you know, if you're not a new listener, I like to spend more time talking about the victims rather than the killer that took their lives, but with this case, that feat is simply just impossible. But at the very least, however, I can at least say the names of the 215 people he's been confirmed to have had some hand in their deaths. The list of names was provided by the by a Guardian article that I've linked down in the show notes. Lily Acton, Lizzie Adams, Sarah Atkinson, Norman Ashid, Adshed, uh, Roseanne Adshed, Irene uh, Aitken, Dorothy May Andrew, Joseph Andrew, Mary Emma Andrew, Albert Arundel, uh, Winifred Aerosmith, uh, Netta Ashcroft, um, Dora Elizabeth Ashton, Ellen Ashton, Ada Ashworth, um, or Ada, Brenda Ashworth, Elizabeth Ash- Ashworth, um, James Ashworth, Sarah Ashworth, 
Clara, Ethel, Aveyard, um, Elizabeth, Mary, Badalay, um, John Badalay, Bertha Bagshaw, Squire Barber, um, Joseph Bardsley, uh, Lily Bardsley, Nellie Bardsley, Elsie Barker, Charles Henry Barlow, James Edward Barnes, Elizabeth Batters Battersby, um, William Baxter, Joseph Beach, um, Norman John Bell, Ethel Bennett, Francis Bennett, Nellie Bennett, Charlotte Bennison, Arthur Bent, Barry, uh, Irene Barry, uh, Edith Annie Bill, uh, Mary Ivy Birchall, uh, Violet May Bird, Alice Black, Kathleen May Boardman, Mary Louisa Boardman, uh, Joffrey Bogle, Alice Bo- Boland, Mary Elizabeth Bowers, Miriam Bradshaw, um, Edith Brady, Harold um, Bramwell, Vera Bramwell, uh, Charles Brassington, uh, Charles Joffrey Brassington, sorry, um, Nancy Ann Brassington, Doris Bridge, Jane Bridge, Albert uh, Briarly, Edith Briarly, Lily uh, Broadbent, Edith Brock, Charles Edward Brocklehurst, Vera Brocklehurst, Irene Bruder, Lily Brooks, May Brooks, Alice Brown, Mary Alice Brown, William Henry Brown, um, Edward Buckland, Ethel Buckley, Elizabeth Mary Burke, uh, Lydia Edith Butcher, Ida Keynes, uh, Sean Stewart Callahan, Edith uh, Calvary, Calvary, uh, Annie Campbell, Marion Caradice, Alice Carrington, Josephine Mary Carroll, Hannah Cartwright, Wilfred Chadwick, Ivy Elizabeth uh, Chalinor, Genevieve Chalinor, Irene Chaplin, Alice Chapel, Wilfred Chapel, John Charlton, um, George Charnock, uh, Albert Cheatham, uh, Alfred Cheatham, Elsie, or Elsie Cheatham, Hannah Cheatham, Nora Cheatham, Thomas Cheatham, Amy Chidlow, uh, uh, Fanny Clark, Elsie Clayton, uh, Francis Clayton, Beatrice Helen Clee, uh, James Clough, Thomas Condon, uh, Alice Hilda uh, Connaughton, I hope I got that right, Michael Connors, Margaret Ann Conway, Fred Frederick Coomber, Ann Cooper, uh, 
area, Copeland, Cindy, Cope, Cindy Hop, Hoskins, Copeland, um, Constance and Coldwell, um, and Cuthard, Mary Coutts, Hilda Mary Co- Cozens, uh, Eileen Theresa Cox, I think is how you say it, um, Eileen Daphne Crompton, Frank Crompton, John Crompton, Lily Crossley, who we mentioned before, Lillian Cullen, um, Valerie Cuthbert, Sissy Davis, Davies, uh, Eric Davies, Fred Davies, Miriam Davies, Fanny Dawson, um, Elsie Lorna Dean, um, Joan Edwina Dean, Bessie Delaney, Christopher Denham, uh, Frederick Dentilth, Ronnie Devonport, Alice Dixon, Edgar Dobb, Ethel Dolan, Alice Drinkwater, Joseph Drummond, uh, Mary Rose Dudley, um, Elaine Dutton, uh, Doris Earls, William Earnshaw, Harold Edelston, Monica Edelston, Agnes Edge, Bethel Ann Evans, Hannah um, Everall. Uh, sorry, I have to scroll. Joseph Vincent Everall, Phyllis Farrell, uh, Marie Antoinette Fernley. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Furman, uh, Hilda Fish, Hilda Fitton, uh, Dorothy Fletcher, Elizabeth Fletcher, Arthur Floyd, Leah Fogg, uh, Edwin Folks, um, Thomas Foden, Foden, um, Moira Ashton Fox, John France, Harold Freeman, Winifred Freeman, Hannah Frith, Minnie, Doris, Irene, um, Galpin, Rose Garlic, Violet Garlic, uh, Mary Alice Garrett, uh, Millicent Garside, uh, Marion Gasset, Gassel, Gaskell, uh, Mary Gaunt, Nellie G, Clifford uh, guess, geese, maybe, William Givens, Edith Goddard, uh, Elsie Godfrey, Annie Elizabeth Golds, Alice Maud Gorton, uh, Edith Graham, Rebecca Gray, John Sheard Greenall, Greenhall, I think, Annie Grimshaw, M- uh, Muriel, Grimshaw, Mariel maybe, Donald Anthony Grundy, Kathleen Grundy, uh, which again we talked about, Nora Grundy, Clara Hackney, Clara Hackney, um, Violet Hadfield, uh, William Hugh, Hot Hugh, I think, yeah, Josephine Hall, Frank Holiday, Janet. Hallsworth, Lenora 
Hamlet, um, Mary Emma Hammer, Car Caroline Hammond, uh, Caroline Veronica Hammond, sorry, Jesse Hampson, Christine Hancock, Elsie Hannibal, um, Joan Milray Harding, Charles Harris, um, Harriet Harris, Christina Harrison, David Allen Harrison, Marlon Harrison, Muriel Evelyn Harrison, Samuel um, Harrison, Elsie Harrop, uh, Mary Elizabeth Haslam, Sarah Hawkins, Winifred Healy, Clifford Barnes, Heapley, or Heapy, Gladys Heapy, uh, Irene Heathcote, Olive uh, Hain Botham, uh, Ellen he Hennifer, Mary Jane Hitt, uh, Ada Haywood, Floris Haywood, Florence Haywood, Hilda Mary Hibbert, Robert Hickson, uh, George Eric Higginbottom, Peter Higginbottom, Barry Higgins, Lily Higgins, uh, Marian Elizabeth Higgins, Ruth Hiley, Ellen Higson, Sarah Ann Hill, Pamela Margaret Hiller, Ada Matley uh, Hilton, John Hilton, Emma Hurst, Ethel Doris Holgate, Annie DeVoe Holland, Alice Holt, Dorothy Doretta Hopkins, John Howcroft, Hilda Holm, uh, May Hurd, uh, Joseph or Yosef Iwania, Harold Edward Jackman, Marine Jackson, uh, Marine Lemonier Jackson, Nancy Jackson, Roland Jameson, Beatrice Jeffries, Nora Johnson, Richard Johnson, Leah Johnson, Alice Mary Jones, David Jones, Hannah Jones, Ivy Jones. Uh, Jane Jones, Robert Edward Jones, Mary Ellen Jordan, um, Mary Keating, Ethel May Keelett, Fred Keelett, Ellen Kelly, Moira Kelly, Alice Kennedy, Charles Henry Killen, um, Elsie King, James Joseph King, Mary Kingsley, uh, Alice Christ. Christine Kitchen, Renee Lacey, Florence Leach, Edith Leach, uh, William Henry Leach, Olive Lees, Carrie Lay, Joseph Lay, Winifred Lay, Elsie Lewis, Florence Lewis, Peter Lewis, uh, Jean or, or Jean, uh, Lily. Robert Henry Lingard, which we talked about, uh, Laura Francis Lynn, John Loudon 
Levisi, Edna May Lewin, uh, Harry Lomas, Ivy Lomas, Dorothy Long, Thomas Alfred Longmate, um, Jane Ellen Lord, Beatrice Lowe, Esther Lowe, May Lowe, Eva Loins, which are lions, maybe, um, Charles, which we talked about her, Charles McConnell, uh, Selena McKenzie, Christina Mackey, or Christina McCulloch Mackey, uh, Marianne Mansfield, uh, Walter Mansfield, Martha Marley, Sarah Hannah Marsland, Maud uh, Motley, Kathleen McDonald, William James McLaren, Gertrude McLowen, Lowland maybe, uh, Joan May Melia, Elizabeth Ellen Miller, Samuel Miller, Wolf Winifred Miller, um, Oscar Meredith, Margaret Metcalf, uh, Deborah Middleton, Mary Middleton, Samuel Mills, uh, Cyril Mitchell, Wilbert Mitchell, John Bennett Molesdale, uh, Emily Morgan, Bertha Moss, Hannah Moss, George Henry Moderum, Hannah Helena Moderum, Pamela Grace Moderum, Thomas Malt, Nellie Mullen, uh, Miriam, Ro- uh, Miriam Rose Emily Mycock, um, Nora Needham, uh, Violet Nicholas, Fanny Nicholas, Lily Nicholas, Hervey Nuttall, Nora Nuttall, um, Thomas Ogden Mary, or, sorry, Thomas Sullivan, uh, or O'Sullivan, Mary Ogden, Agnes Oldham, um, Oldham, Samuel Oldham, Francis uh, Elaine Oswald, Enid Otter, Margaret Ousey, uh, um, Conrad Ofcar Robinson, or Conrad Peter Ofcar Robinson, uh, Over um, Renette Eldrade Overton, uh, Phyllis Oxley, Marjorie Parker, Annie Parks, Laura Victoria Parkin, Bertha Parr, Elizabeth Pierce, which we talked about, Rosetta Pedley, uh, Vara Penny, Leah Pickering, uh, Kenneth Pickup, Mavis Mary Pickup, Edith Pittman, Elsie Platt, um, Marion Platt, Blanca um, Pomfret, Francis Potts, uh, Reynold Potts, um, Annie Alexandria Powers, Ada Marjorie Preston, Alice Prestwich, Ethel May Proud, Mary Quinn, Anne Lillian Ralphs, 
Ernest Cullen, Ralphs, Alice Rowling, or Rowling, Audrey Reed, um, Tom Redfern, uh, Dorothy Hill Renwick, uh, Josie Kathleen Richard, Josie Kathleen Diana Richards, uh, Alice Richardson, Stanley Riley, uh, Edith Roberts, Esther Hannah Roberts, Gladys Roberts, Eileen Robertson, uh, Evelyn Robertson, uh, Lavinia Robertson, Mildred Robinson, Elizabeth Ann Rogers, Jane Frances Rostron, Dorothy Roworth, Annie Robottom, Jane Isabella Rowland, which we talked about her. Elsie uh, Rolls, Betty Royston, uh, Ernest Rudolph, uh, Tom Balfour Russell, Margaret Sankey, uh, Albert Edward Sanders, Gladys Sanders, Edith Scott, Elsie Scott, Kate Maud Sellers, uh, Cicely Sharples, Joseph Shaw, Leonard Shaw, Lillian Shaw, Neville Shaw, Susan Evelyn Shaw, Edna Shawcross, Ernest Shawcross, Mabel Shawcross, Jack Leslie Shel- Shelmerdine, Jane Elizabeth Sh- Shelmerdine, Lily Shore, Florence Side Botham, uh, Elizabeth Teresa Sig- Sigley, K- Kenneth Harry Simpson, Albert Slater, Florence Slater, Lena Nora Slater, Slater, May Slater, Alice Smith, uh, Dora Elizabeth Smith, Emma Smith, Kenneth Ernest Smith, Margaret Smith, Mary Alice Smith. Sydney Arthur Smith, Winifred Isabel Smith, Mon- Monica Renee Sparks, Alice Squirrel, Harry Stadford, Kate Elizabeth Stadford, Joe Ainscow uh, Stadford, Stansford, Louisa Stocks, John Stone, Arthur Stockford, or Arthur. Arthur Henderson Stopford, Harriet Stopford, Ruth Strickland Stop, uh, Ruth Strickland, Grace Summer, Bessie Swan, Robert Swan, Emmeline uh, Swindles, Carolyn Mary Taylor, Edna Mary Taylor, Florence Taylor, Lily Newby Taylor, Mary Taylor. Tempest, or Mary Ann Tempest, Alice Thomas, Sarah Ann Thomas, Maria Th- uh, Thornton, Sarah Tideswell, uh, Angela Philomena Tyranny, uh, Walter Tingle, Beatrice Toft, Mary Tomlin, Margaret Townsend, Dorothy Tucker, Mary Tuff, Winifred Amy Tuffin, 
Francis Elizabeth Turner, Irene Turner, Stanley Utley, um, Frederick Vickers, Margaret Mary Vickers, Lucy Virgin, um, George Edgar Vizzer, May Vizzer, uh, George Lawton Wagstaff, Jesse Irene Wagstaff, Laura Kathleen Wagstaff, Margaret Ann Waldron, um, Edward Walker, Ellen Walker, Henrietta Walker, Winifred Mary Walker, Harry Waller, Marjorie Hope Waller, Mary Walls, Sidney Walton, Ada Warburton, Maureen Alice Ward, Minnie Ward, Muriel Margaret Ward, Percy Ward, Eric Wardle, William Hill Waring, May Warren, Kathleen May Wass, Wass, maybe? Annie Watkins, Maria West, Ellen Frances Warren, Lavinia Warmbly, um, Warmby, excuse me, Mona Ashton White, Amy Whitehead, Colin Whittem, Maureen um, Whitaker, Violet Mary Whitaker, Vera Whittingslow, Edith Whittle, Edith Wibberly, Joseph Frank Wilcoxon, uh, Annie Wilkinson, Maud Wilkinson, Albert Redvers um, Williams, Emily Williams, Sarah James Williamson, Jack Wills, Margaret Wilmore, uh, Mural Elsie Wilson, um, Mark Wimpen, Wimpeny, George Winston, Olive Winston, Mary Winterbottom, Annie Wood, Charles Henry Wood, Fanny Wood, James Wood, Joyce Woodhead, uh, Keith Warmby Woodhead, and that's the end. So I hope I did their names justice. Um, I couldn't really find that much information on them, which was really sad and depressing. But with that, let's go on to the end of the episode. So with that, folks, that is the end of this episode. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, It's kind of a long one, especially with all the names, but their names needed to be said. Um, If you enjoyed, you know, check the um, little question. If If you're listening on Spotify, there's like a little question at the bottom that says whether or not you enjoyed this episode. Um, so if you could answer that, that would be great. I will post your responses if you want me to post your responses. If not, then I won't. Um, I have socials. You can, you can, uh, go ahead and follow me on the, at there's too much to think pod on Instagram. Um, 
as always all my sources are in the show notes down below and um please share with your friends i will have another horrible case for you guys next friday bye bye Thank you.